We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Is psychology a bad thing? No. You know the words. I've taught you. I believe I talked about psychology. We don't recognize or respect secular psychology. I don't get my advice from a law span, but the word psychology is two Greek words. Psych is our word for what? Soul. Logos is the word for what? In the beginning was the word. So psychology means taking the word and helping the soul. So Christians, counselors who help the soul with the word of God are psychologists. So it's a good thing. I tell people I wouldn't go to a secular psychologist for counsel ever for any reason. I'd go for a, to a financial counselor maybe, but they would tell me, well, you're stupid to give anything to the Lord's work. And that's a secular counselor. So I wouldn't even go for that, I guess. But I don't know what that has to do with anything, but Levi said something about psychology and learning how to deal with children's souls here as he introduced his study. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 12. I want to say this. Hard preaching isn't always loud. I'm not as loud as I was when I was younger. And a lot of guys, you know, I've heard make a lot of noise, but don't say anything. Jesus fascinated me because he could preach hard and still somehow be respectful. He'd, he'd talk. We, we, we read his, his preaching. We read his sermons. Of course, he preached perfect sermons. and You'll never hear one on this earth until he comes back and preaches another one. But what a master he was at communication. He knew it was in man. He knew their hearts. And so tonight I'm preaching on a, a, a topic that is kind of hard, kind of harsh. And uh, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, because we're going to talk about the scripture and what it says about fire. And of course, obviously, fire is a tough, tough subject. And we're going to see what scripture says. And this might surprise you, but in Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to read just six words. Stand if you have it, and we're going to talk about fire, which means we're going to talk about hell and judgment. Did you know God hasn't changed? This is the New Testament. What does it say? Look at it. Our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Sometimes I have people say, well, that was the God of the Old Testament. Where are we reading from right now? God has never changed. Now, thank God for Jesus who gave us grace and mercy, but God still hates sin, will still judge, and fire is what he will use to judge. God bless us as we read your word, study your word, speak to hearts, Lord. I need you to hide me behind the cross so people see you and listen to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24 is very similar to this verse which says our God is a consuming fire. In fact, Paul, we believe Paul wrote Hebrews, quotes Deuteronomy here. Then in Deuteronomy 9, 3, it says, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire. So the theme is not just mentioned one time. It's a reoccurring theme throughout Scripture that God is a consuming fire. In fact, Jesus Christ will judge by using his eyes. Just think, he'll just look and be able to judge. He'll judge our works, but also sinners will stand before him at the great white throne judgment and be cast into the eternal lake of fire. Hell is only a temporary place, possibly in the center of the earth. He'll raise everybody from hell, judge them, and cast them into an eternal place. 
And we know he'll raise all the, from the sea. He'll raise those from the ground, from hell, and he'll judge all those people. Scary thought, I'm thankful. My judgment was nailed to the cross. Amen. It's not coming my way. I'm not going to stay, stand before him. God judges us as Christians, chastens us, I should say, right now. When you're chastened, then you know it's part of being a believer. Because sinners sometimes get by with it through their whole life, never get caught. Think of all the unsolved murders. Think of all the unsolved crime. It's not really unsolved. God knows who did it, and they're going to answer for it. And if those people get saved, they'll probably come forward and say, I've been saved, and I want to say I did this or that. Hopefully they do the right thing, so God will bless them. But we are chastened in this life. Why, if you steal something from this church, what, who's going to deal with you? God may let you get by with it one time. He may let you go on, but he's going to convict you. We didn't see anybody stealing anything, but... God chastens his own. But here we're talking about the fire of judgment. We're going to look at several verses. We're going to move quickly because it's already quarter till. We're going to look at Isaiah 50, verse 3. Excuse me, Psalm 50, verse 3. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to move to Isaiah 66. So if you're not there, go to Isaiah 66. Psalm 50, verse 3. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. When's he going to come? Well, we know that. We talked about that this morning. A fire shall devour before him. He's going to send fire before he even comes. The elements are going to be burned up. Isaiah 66, 15. Isaiah 66, 15. Says this. <clears throat> For behold, the Lord will come with what? You know the answer. If you're not there yet, fire. He's going to come with fire. I mean, this is real. Genesis 19, verse 4 we're not going to turn there. But first, we're going to look at his presence in the earth, excuse me, his punishment with the fire. And that was Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story. I will preach that someday to you. Uh, God was angry with sin, the sin of sodomy. He doesn't like this LG, what is it? BT, LGBT? Yeah. He didn't like the LGBT stuff, he didn't like the gay marches. He doesn't like going on in Israel. He doesn't like going on in America. He hates it. And Jesus even uses it as a, as a comparison to people who reject him, that knew his, his power and saw his works. He said, it'd be better for you to be from Sodom and Gomorrah. So the, only, one of the, the, worst, the worst sin of all is not believing. But think of, Jesus said, he who has the, the lesser sin, or he who has committed the worst sin. So there are d d variable degrees of sin. Uh, and some are going to be punished more. Under the law, they were punished more. Offerings were greater for greater sin. They had little offerings for little unknown sin like speeding and the offerings for big sin. So God's always hated sin, always wanted blood atonement, and Jesus Christ paid for ours. But those that reject him, and people can reject him, this whole idea that, you know, if you're chosen to be saved, you'll be saved. If you're not, you have no chance, no opportunity is, is not sound doctrine. Whosoever will... If you repent and trust in Jesus, he's convicted you, the Holy Spirit's drawn you to him, thank God, then he chose you. But in his foreknowledge, he knew you'd repent. And so we understand the severity of the, the sin of sodomy in this LGBTQ. Q? I think of Q. I must, I'm not, I don't say queer about him, okay? But that was, I'm thinking, why is there a Q in there? But it's BT. 
like bacon and tomato without lettuce. That's their problem. They don't have the lettuce. Lettuce, tell them all about our troubles. No, <laughs> bad humor, bad. But fire is God's way of judgment. Look at Leviticus. Instead of going to Genesis, we'll go there later. But at Leviticus, not, not today, but I'll someday preach on that. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. says here, and Nabed and Abihu, now these are the sons of Aaron. Think about this, Aaron's sons. Of course, Aaron helped build a golden calf or led the way on that. His sons uh, took from the censer and put fire therein and put incense therein and offered strange fire before the Lord. Yeah. What was this sin, Pastor? Because there's different ideas on this. If you drop down to verse 9, it says, do not drink wine or strong drink. I preached about that a while back. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Pastor, why did they have so much wine in Israel? Because they didn't have a lot of water. They drank a lot of grape juice. Well, not fermented wine. And they did put a little fermented wine in water in big barrels to, to kill the parasites. But you could drink a barrel and not get a buzz. So it didn't hurt anybody. And uh, so we, we know that these priests here in the same passage, there are rules for the priests. And it says they're not to drink wine or strong drink. So we don't know exactly, but we know they either offered to a different God or did not have the authority to make an offering to our God, or they maybe were drunk or maybe offered it in an inappropriate manner. We don't know. The text doesn't say, but they did something wrong. And what God do? Look what it says. And they had this fire before the Lord. And uh, the Lord commanded them not. And there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them. The Lord never changes. We're in the air of grace. And God doesn't send, you know, fire down every time somebody sins. But I do believe some of the consequences and some of the catastrophes in this world are a result of God's anger. There's just times I think God is so angry, he just sends down a judgment. I, I, I'm not saying which specific thing. But I know God still hates sin and still judges sin. And he still uses fire. And then we know we're going to skip the next one too because the second one I have, the first one, punishment in the fire, his presence is in the fire is Exodus chapter 3. And we're preaching that next week. So we're skipping over that tonight. But you know about the burning bush, what a wonderful thing that was that God had talked to Moses. But third, his pathway in the fire. Just briefly, Exodus 13, 21 trying to go quicker because of time, but we know he led people with what? A pillar of fire in the day, uh, at night, and a cloud by day. So we find his pathway. He led them with a pillar of fire. I love Psalm 119, 105. It, it says, thy word have, excuse me, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Just like that, that pillar of fire led them, the word of God is that to us. We follow it because we know that's God's presence. That, that uh, pillar of fire was God's presence leading them. This book is a light and a lamp, and that's his presence leading us. So stay in the book. Then we'll go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 3, his person in the fire, Acts chapter 2 and verse 3. I'm not a Honda preacher, but I'm getting close. You say, what's a Honda preacher? You don't know what a Honda preacher is? Honda, Honda, Honda. You ever hear one of those guys? Remember D.A. Hooker? Honda. And a good friend of mine, a Doyle Ricks, gave me some shoes. Good man. He was a Honda preacher. I'm not that. But I'm getting closer when I go fast like that. Acts chapter 2 and 
2, verse 3, we have here the person of the fire. And we know that to be the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says here. And there appeared unto them cloven, that means fiery tongues. And it tells us the next phrase, like as fire, fiery tongues. Uh, and it sat upon each of them. So these cloven tongues. What is the word tongues, Pastor Dan? Well, it's the word glossae, the Greek word. G-L-O-S-S-A, if you used English letters, but Greek letters are not the same. It would be gamma, and I would give you that, but we don't have time. You say, what, are, what is glossary? You know the glossary in the back of a book? Remember your science book? You looked up words. They're words. Words. So this is an intelligible language. In fact, the word tongues in your Bible is found two times. I'm excuse me, many times. It's comprised of two different Greek words. Sometimes it's glossae, which is known words. Sometimes it's dialect, which is known language. So tongues are always known languages or known words. Those men all got up and preached in languages that people could hear and understand. Could you imagine you're traveling, you're a Jew, and you're traveling back to Jerusalem for the Passover, and you hadn't lived in Israel, you didn't grow up in Israel, you grew up sometime, someplace over in Europe or someplace over in Africa, and they were that far on both sides, and you come back to Jerusalem, and you've, you don't know how to speak Hebrew, and uh, you have your own language, and someone gets up miraculously and preaches to you in whatever your language was, they had to be like and the person who got the language miraculously had to be like, is this awesome or what? That, that was really something. And that was the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Spirit came upon them and enabled them to preach. And that's where some people, you know, talk about how our preaching needs to be fiery, spirit-led. And that's so true. Personality doesn't matter and delivery style doesn't matter, but we have to be passionate about our preaching. We have to preach the word and preach it fiery. Now, chapter 15 of Genesis, another story you know, and another story we could take a night and preach on this. But in Genesis chapter 15, we're going to talk about the passing through the fire. Oh, what a story this is, passing through the fire. Genesis 15, 17. And I've got the wrong verse, but I'm going to tell you the story anyway. Oh, verse 17, yeah. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoldering furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. It was common when you made a transaction, whether it was to buy land or not, to offer sacrifice. And for the two parties to walk between the sacrifice in agreement for this contract, whatever it was. Well, here is Abraham put into a deep sleep. And, and, and the Spirit of God went through this offering alone without Abraham. Now, why would this, what's this all about, Pastor? Well, the Abrahamic covenant we call an unconditional covenant. Our covenant, the new covenant, is unconditional. There are conditional covenants in the Bible where God says, if you do this, I'll do that. This is unconditional. It's like the new covenant. How is our, condition, our covenant unconditional? First of all, Christ shed his blood alone. He was the sacrifice. He was the lamb. But once we trust Christ, the covenant is this. He's going to fulfill his part of the agreement. In the law, it was, un it was conditional. Did man keep the law? The law failed, the Bible says. Why? It was conditional. It was based on us obeying the law and doing everything by the law, and we failed miserably. So the fault with the first covenant was us. 
We didn't do our part. So the Abrahamic covenant, like the new covenant with Jesus Christ, God took care of it all by himself. Man didn't go through. Abraham, he put into a sleep. God verified, validated this covenant all by himself. But again, we notice that he used fire. You can read that passage later because we're going to chapter 19 of Exodus. And we're going to look at precepts in the fire. And briefly, I'll tell you what that is. In Exodus chapter 19, you already know by where we're going about the precepts in the fire. 16 to 18. It says here, And it came to pass in the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain, the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the, neither part of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was altogether on smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. He gave his scripture by fire. Now, when we say our God is a consuming fire, we understand. He's a consuming fire in judging sin. In appearing before man with Moses in the burning bush, which didn't spend any time there. But when he gave his scriptures, when he validated covenants, fire throughout scripture. And of course, we'll go on because there's some more here. We're going to go about 1 Kings chapter 18. And again, you know the story. 1 Kings chapter 18. Love this story. Another one I need to preach on. Mount Carmel. Wasn't that something? All the prophets of Baal. And... and uh, we got to go there. I just uh, got to read it because I'll, I'll forget where I've been and forget where I'm going. That's a bad state to be in. Chapter 18, you heard about that old guy. He's on a street corner sobbing. And they come up to him and said, sir, what's wrong? He said, oh, I just married a beautiful woman. And the guy's thinking, and why are you crying? He said, well, what's going on? Oh, she could cook. She could clean. She was loving and sweet and beautiful to look at. He said, sir, why are you crying? He said, I can't remember where I live. <laughs> it's a bad joke, but I don't want to forget where I am. So in chapter 18, verse 24, and we know that Elijah confronts Ahab and the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel, picking up in verse 20, we're not going to read, just read verse 24, and call you on the name of your gods. Isn't that interesting? That's the word El. There are other gods. You know what they are? They're demons. There's only one true God, yeah. right? Only one true one. All the others are false. These are demons, and there are demons today. I believe all these UFO sightings are all demons. There's not another planet. The Bible said, Earth hath he made for mankind or the children of men. This is where he put people. There's not life on another planet. We're going to spend millions of government dollars to go try and explore life and find these UFOs. What a lot of malarkey, as my dad used to say. You know, we believe God's word. We believe God's word. Anyway, call on your gods. And I'll call them the name of the Lord. And of course, you, you know how they couldn't get fire started their gods. And, and Elijah says, pour all kinds of water, great big tubs of water on this offering. And then he calls on God and God sends fire down and consumes it. Our gods are consuming fire. And one day he's going to come back and judge this world. Uh, but before we go to the, the last one, we look at his protection in the fire. And we're not going to spend a lot of time here. You know the story. Daniel's free, three friends. Nebuchadnezzar thought his gods were the gods. But he ended up 13 times in Daniel saying, uh, God is the most high. Seven times 
Nebuchadnezzar says it. 13 times it's stated. He says it seven times. And he actually thought he was a god. Because he had thrown these three men in the fiery furnace so hot that it killed the guys throwing them in. And Daniel's friends were fine. He was stunned and blown away. And he realized the true, one and only true God is the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and as my black preacher friend says, the blessed Negro. But it's really a Bendigo. He was the true God. And, and, and there's only one true God. We're, we're monotheists. We believe in one. One. Polytheists, poly means many. They believe in many theists. Many gods. Oh, the, the different people have these different gods for different things. We've learned some of that in, in Scripture. But we're, we're looking now at the ninth one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 7, chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, and make a note that this is the New Testament. This is the New Testament. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. It says here, and to you, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7, we're looking at his prophecy in the fire. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in what? In flaming fire. Now for all of those that you want to see sin judged, take a moment, step back, and think now. We are supposed to want to see people saved. We are not supposed to want to see people judged. All right? But when I say this, you understand they're going to be judged. Because look what it says. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. This liberal crowd today that says hell is not real and the Bible's not real, need to read that verse. When he comes, he's going to come in fire, taking vengeance on those who don't know him. It's not going to be a good day for sinners when Jesus comes. I mean, just think of the scary, uh, you know, scary prophetic statement here. And so we have to be compassionate. And, and in fact, there's a New Testament word, we, we translate compassion that has to do with being nauseous because you're so sick about people going to hell. Our problem is we get all caught up in the sin of this world and what's going on in our country and we think, just come, Lord, and judge them. But we're not supposed to think like that now. It's going to happen. You're assured of that. Vengeance on those who don't know God. We're supposed to say, Lord, oh, save that neighbor. My dad used to have a neighbor he didn't care for. <laughs> My dad was plain and outspoken. The guy's name was, well, I don't want to say his name. He's dead, but maybe he has kids. I don't know. We have a broadcast. And he uh, borrowed my dad's rake collector, you know, pushed the rake up leaves, put it back in our shed broken. He was always drunk. My dad just didn't like the guy. He called him old man, and he called his last name. My dad didn't cuss, but he, my dad was a deacon. He did a few things good. I talk about him a lot. But he didn't like Mr. Old Man so-and-so. And it was funny because uh, he'd come in the house mad about him being drunk out there, and my mother would always say, now, dear, now, dear, we haven't even invited him to church. You know, I knew that bothered my dad. And my mom would say that. You know, you know how we're opposite in marriages a lot of times. Now, dear, he needs to be saved. And my, my dad, you know, so funny. Because I didn't like that guy. He was my junior high coach, and he used to throw the basketball at our head. You know, back when we could treat kids kind of rough, 
Nowadays, they're, they're all sissy, being treated like sissies, but back then, it was the opposite. I mean, they, he'd throw the ball at her head if we didn't jump high enough or something, things like that. Things like that. I didn't care f- for him. My dad didn't care for him. But my mom was always the one to say, well, we need to pray for him. And we'd have our family devotions at dinner, sitting around the table. And we'd read our daily bread, and we'd get the thought. My dad would read the scripture out of his Bible, and then we would pray. We'd talk about what to pray for. And my mother would say, well, let's pray for our neighbors. <laughs> and dad, I know how dad felt. He wouldn't have ever done that, but he probably wanted to do that to the guy. My dad hated alcohol. I mean, as kids, we knew don't drink alcohol. (laughs) I had a brother that did drink some, and Dad kicked him out of the house over it. And uh, my dad was a guy who stood on what he believed, but he didn't like this neighbor, but my mother always said, pray for him. What's going to happen to sinners, folks, that don't receive the Lord? Where are they going to spend eternity? I can't hear you. We've got to recognize that. The world can say that's not biblical. It's right in the Bible. In fact, Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. I love John 14, 6. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. I love that much more than this. Because that's going to apply to me. This isn't, I'm glad. And then finally, his position in the fire. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9, his position in the fire. We'll close right here. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. He'll be on the throne. Look at this. I will, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did set. Now who is that? It's the Lord. The ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool, his throne was like the fiery flame, as his wheels, and his wheels as burning fire. You know, when God comes to judge, it's not going to be a good thing. It's not going to be a funny thing. And it's interesting because at the great white throne judgment, it says he wipes the tears from our eyes. Why are we crying? Because we're witnesses to his judgment. You know why you should pray for people to be saved? So you don't have to see him in the end and say, you know, I I should have prayed for Joe Biden more. I should have prayed for Kamala Harris more. For their salvation. Listen, if you know me and you know how I preach, you know how I feel about their politics. We don't want to preach politics, but it's apparent where I stand in abortion. LGBT. T, T, huh? Okay. What I do when I hear that stuff is I do this. I mean, I don't like it. I change channels. So I don't learn that stuff. They just had a month that that talked about a a school school system down in Miami. The whole school uh, system was meeting and talking about a month dedicated to those people. And the governor actually got involved and started promoting pro-value people, and the whole group of those LG, LG people, the LG wash machine people, were all moved out, voted out. So we still can be involved and make changes. We need to vote and get involved in our school system. But think of a public school having a whole month dedicated to that stuff. Scary, frightful. So our job is to vote, get involved. I don't want to see those people go to hell. 
I want to see him saved. That's what we should have, mercy and see him saved. Daniel 7, 9, we see he will be on the throne. And what we learned in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, is he's going to judge. It's going to be with fire. And this is a scary thing. Kind of a, 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 a you know, a difficult, not difficult, but a, a message of truth tonight that hell is real. And God's a consuming fire. And he's not going to put up with it much more. One day he's going to come, thank God, and change the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. We pray you bless us tonight as we go our separate ways and to remember to be passionate about soul winning and witnessing so that no one goes to hell. We just pray, God, for sinners. We pray for anybody who's lost, our neighbors, our coworkers, our politicians, our policemen, anybody, even our friends and family, that they trust Jesus as their Savior before it's too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.